Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Last week, we, we spent uh, an amazing time in the Word here, and we spent an amazing time together on Wednesday. And as I was in the Word and, and in the Lord's presence, He really um, pressed in my heart to continue speaking on go get your own oil. If you were here last week, it was a special moment for many reasons. Not, I mean, we, had, we married someone at the end on the altar. It was special. But, but really, I believe that for individuals' lives personally, the Holy Spirit did something special and stamped people's lives here that, that they would be transformed forever. I mean, you know who you are. And I'm praying that in the days to come, in the weeks to come, that you'd be able to share some testimony of what God did there. Because we want to hear it. Tell, tell, say, we want to hear it. Yeah, encourage someone to share their story like Omar did today. You never know. You might become a preacher. You might become a chaplain. But, but we left here with an encouraging demand, and it was get, go get your own oil. We made you guys look at each other and, and tell each other, go get your own oil. Why don't you do that right now for a moment? Look at that person next to you and say, wait, you got your own oil? You see, last week, last week we told you, go get your own oil. But this week, why don't you ask them something a little bit different? You got your own oil? Question mark. You got your own oil? You know, you could ask that in a way where it's a question. You got your own oil? And, you know, you could kind of lean in on them and, like, look at them in the eyes and make them feel real bad if they didn't go get their oil. <laughs> My wife, I was fasting this week, and um, she asked me, well, what is God speaking in, in, in your fast to you? I didn't answer her that day in my couch. She probably got upset, but I didn't answer her. My son, too, was jumping on me. We were wrestling and fighting like we so lovingly do. But if I were to answer that, I would say whatever I shared tonight, today, this morning, right here, is what exactly what God has been sharing with me during my fast. And, and it deals with continuing in the oil. And as we, as we give that demand, as your pastor, as I felt from the, from the Lord to give you that push to get your own oil. And hoping that it has done something for all of us here, especially in the last peak, in the last week. And I know it has because this Wednesday, it erupted here at church. If you miss on Wednesdays when we have them, I mean, you, and I'm not trying to say this, like, I'm not trying to like get you guys to come on Wednesday, which I really want you to come. But if you missed this Wednesday, I'm not even lying to you. We literally had just Pentecost Wednesday in this place on Wednesday. I mean, you should see what happened here. People being broken. The Holy Spirit just moved in a powerful way. I mean, it was, since we're talking about oil, the oil was so thick um, with us here on Wednesday. So, so don't miss out when we get together. It really, God did something so special. And I want to continue in that. I want to fan the flame. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't want a tree to burn. I want the whole forest to burn. You guys are satisfied with just a tree burning? You know, because that's what a lot of churches are. You know, one tree is burning and everyone is just um, witnesses to that tree burning. The heck is that, man? How about we don't just stare at the one tree burning? And how about we just set a fire to the whole entire wilderness, to the whole entire woods and say, watch this place set ablaze. Not because a tree is burning, but because the whole forest is on fire. Come on. We spoke about marriageable maidens. Marriageable 
maidens. If you were not here, you, you really, really need to go back to our podcast and you got to go listen to last week's message, part one, as we opened up on Matthew 25, because it really is a flow from last week into this week. So you could get a full picture of what we're talking about here. So go do homework tonight, and, and please, it'll take you 45, 50 minutes to listen to the whole thing. But I know that those, four, I promise you, those 45 minutes are going to feel like five minutes. When it's done, you'll be like, oh, man, there's no more? Because that's how God's word does, that's what it does to us. Huh? It's like honey, honey to our lips. Come on. Marriageable maidens, and we discussed that. And we learned that you could do so many things right. You know, you could serve well and you could serve always. You could be involved, you could tithe, you could give. You could know scripture. Hey, you could even teach scripture. You can lead and pastor, minister, witness, evangelize. Hey, like we're doing, we do mission trips. You could be part of heroic deeds, partake in great humanitarian efforts and, and be looked at as a great person. You could be looked at as a good Samaritan, a good Christian man, a good Christian woman, and keep that up, amen. But, but I believe that there is more for us creatures, exactly what Omar said a few minutes ago. I believe that there is more for us creatures that have been made in the image and in the likeness of God. And I believe that that more is that God is calling us for more. And what does that more look like? It's, it's to share in his glory. I really believe that. I believe there's a more. Everyone say more. Yeah. And I believe that that more is sharing in the glory of God. Is sharing in Christ's glory. We're called for that. And, and I believe that for this church, I saw some of it on Wednesday. And I want to see some of it happening in your lives set ablaze today if it hasn't yet. In Romans chapter 8 and in 1 Peter chapter 4, both passages, it tells us that we are to share in Christ's sufferings in order to share in Christ's glory as well. It talks about that in both those passages, that we are heirs of God, that we are co-heirs co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So we share in his glory. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4, 5, and 6 says this, ready? It reminds us this, that God, just listen to these words, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace, you have been saved and you've been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. So that in the coming ages, in the times to come, the word coming ages is not just the eternal. It's, it's the coming ages. It's the, it's the spiritual. It's the other dimension. It's the heavenlies that we're going to live in. I'm not satisfied with, with earth. Like, I want to leap into the new Jerusalem already. I want to leap into the throne room already. I want to see the thunder and the smoke and the colors and the rainbow and the four-headed beast. And I want to see the angels and I want to see the elders enthroned around him. I want to hear the song that they sing that says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want to see the saints at the feet of Jesus giving the crown of life to his feet. I long for that. And here, here's Paul to the church of Ephesus. He says, so that in the coming ages in the eternity that comes that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus amen the NLT says verse 7 this way it says so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us 
who are united with Christ Jesus. We, I don't know if you understand this, verses 4, 5, and 6, Ephesians 2, but here it is. We share, we share in his glory. So all things and all these things that we're doing right, I, I encourage you to continue to do them right. I'm going to speak to you today like a father. Today I, I'm, 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 I'm not just pastor today. I, I believe this, that the Lord wants me to speak to you with a man to a father today because you'll see what I mean by this. But I'm hoping that most of you are getting the revelation that God is teaching and sharing us with us in church that, that the Lord doesn't want you just to live a life in which your Christianity is defined by what you do for him. But instead that your life as a Christian, as his son, as his daughter, listen, is defined by how deep you go with him. Hmm. That's two total different things. Listen, church, your life is not defined by what you do for him. Your life should be defined by how deep you go with him, by how close you are, by how present in presence are you. A Christian sonship life defined by the closeness, the closeness to Abba because of deep, divine, intimate devotion with him. And that's what we were talking about last week. So, so I want to ask you some questions. Are you irritated yet? Are you irritated? You can write this down in your notes. Are you irritated yet by his calling in your life? How many of you, tr- you don't have to answer this. this. This can be a rhetorical question unless you want to answer it. But, but how many of you really feel the finger of God pressing deep down in your heart and your soul that is really, really, just like Omar confessed, really, really is calling you for more? If that's you. I'm talking to you today. The rest of you guys catch the revelation. But you guys that said amen, you have the revelation and something's going to happen to you tonight. Today. Like tonight. I don't know why. I don't even preach at night anymore. Today. Today. Are you irritated by his calling yet? Do you feel that yet? And I wrote down some thoughts. I don't know if it, if it, if it means anything to one of you. Don't be offended. I just wrote them. Are you irritated by his calling that having a normal nine to five job, that was said today, does not mean that you made it? Or maybe a certain check with a certain amount does not mean that you made it. Are you irritated by living for paycheck rather than living for glory? Are you irritated yet by his calling that bearing some children and being so involved as their little league coach does not mean you made it? I didn't get any amens on that one. I irritated some people on that one. Sorry. Are you irritated yet by his calling that your common commune each day, that your common meetings, that your common deadlines, your common jokes, your common hangouts, your common life does not mean that you made it. Come on, I'm, I could say this because what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm irritated by God's call. And I'm wondering, as we learned last week, if God is pressing you like he did with the ten virgins in Matthew 25. With the ten marriageable maidens. Go back and listen to it if you haven't. I'm wondering if he's pressing you not just to be satisfied with a presentation of a Christian that has made it. Not just to be satisfied with that. Here I am with my lamp, a virgin. I'm happy I made it. But come on, what I'm wondering is, what God's pressing me is this. If he's pushing you, to use the word, if he's pressing you to say I'm here with my lamp, a virgin, and I made it, 
because I've set myself to finally be engulfed in the oil of his presence. Totally different. That I've, I have not made my house to be like one who is common and is satisfied leaving home and arriving home while empty of power. But home is found in close relation to Father. Home is where true joy is experienced in the presence of God. That you come to live with what Psalm chapter 23 tells us. Can I read it to you? Psalm 23 verse 5 and 6 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is the most popular psalm in the Bible. It's, it's written by King David some 3,000 years ago, and it's towards the end of his life. And I want you to really look at those words. If they could put all of verse 5 and 6 up there together, they'll put it up now in a minute. But, but really focus on what he's saying. In a moment, we're going to read 1 through 4. But, but here is King David, and he's experienced it all. He's at the end of his life, and he remembers all the things that he's done in his life. He's remembering his childhood, he, he, his lessons that he learned in the field, shepherding sheep, fighting off uh, lions and, and bears and fighting them off with his own hands. He, he remembers his many victories, ones like, like, for example, the popular one that many people preach on all the time and read upon is, is, is ones like when he defeated Goliath and chased after the Philistine army. He remembers those things as he's writing Psalm 23. I believe that. But, but not only is he remembering the victories, not only is he remembering the, the high moments, but I believe this with all my heart that as he's writing Psalm 23, he's actually remembering the low moments of life too. What do you mean by low moments? The, the moments of his faults and the moments of his sins. His adultery because he did that. His murder because he committed that. His trickery and idolatry because he did that i'm wondering that as he's writing psalm 23 he's also remembering not just the good moments but he's also remembering those bad dark crooked moments deep in his heart i'm wondering if if, if all that is coming to play as he's writing psalm 23 because at the at the end of his life He's putting it all together. And, and what better thing to confess than the words that we read in Psalm 23. That in the height of my life and in the darkest moments, when I'm in victory with the Lord and when I'm drowning in my sin and the consequences of my sin. Whether I've succeeded or whether I have failed. Whether I've turned away from Yahweh or I've ran towards Yahweh. There is only one truth and one conclusion. This is what David is saying. That at the end of it all, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd that I shall not need. He lets me rest in great meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod, your staff, protect and comfort me. That at the end of it all, the Lord is my shepherd. What is? What else do I really need? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Did you catch the revelation that happened in David's life? It wasn't about the Bathsheba's bathing in the pool naked anymore. It wasn't about the wars and going to war and, and coming back to town and tens of 
thousands and thousands of people are, are, are singing songs about David that he killed his, his, his thousands, that David's a war. It wasn't about any of that. At the end of his life, in Psalm 23, I don't know if you read verses 1 through 4 like the way I did it, but, but, but it's all about presence. It's all about presence. It's all about deep presence and devotion with his God. It is. It's finding the place in being son. It's about fatherless sons and daughters finding true identity in devotion to their father. I'm wondering if there are any spiritual bastards in this place. Fatherless sons and daughters. And you're looking for a father. And you're looking for a guide. You're looking for a direction. And today is your day. That the Lord is going to reveal himself and say, here I am, son, daughter. No longer will you be fatherless. You become son today. You receive the stamp of being daughter today. At the end of David's life, he didn't write about, look at all my victories and look at all my good and look at all. At the end of his life, he says, the Lord is it and I shall have nothing else. He's all I need. Come on, fatherless sons and daughters. I believe that. Today, God's going to call you to a deeper you. Today, he's going to say, get, get that oil. Let's go back to verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Psalm 23. Did you catch the things that David said? He lets me rest. You saw that? How many of you saw that? Nobody? I saw it. He lets me rest. What's another thing that David says? He, he what? He, he leads me beside what? Mm. He leads me in peace, huh? Into peace. What else does he say? He what? He restores my soul. Another translation says he renews my strength. Another one says he what? Guides me on the correct paths, on the right paths. Another one even says in his presence I will not be afraid. How many of you are living in fear? I have the answer for that fear. Well, we'll give it to you in a moment. You're close beside me, presence, presence. That, what is David really saying here? What he's saying is this, that in his presence, he gives us rest. That in his presence, he leads us to peace. How many of y'all came to church today hoping that God would give you peace? And today the Lord says, yeah, in my presence, I'm going to give you the peace that you want and that you need. In your presence, he renews your strength. In his presence, David's words, he guides us to right living, to the right paths, to correct living. In his presence, he causes you not to be afraid. Can I share something with you guys? I told you I was going to speak to you in a different tone today. But listen to this. Working more, doing more, achieving more, spending more doesn't necessarily fill you more. I really mean that. Ask my wife. Because this guy right here struggles with, I feel like I need to do more, 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 I need to do more. And if I'm not doing something, I'm failing, I'm messing up, I'm doing something wrong because I should always be doing something. Anyone crazy like me? And then the Lord says, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're filled more. See, I'm not saying that God is not in those things with you. I'm not saying that, so please don't take that from what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, I do believe that there is more for you in all of these things. You see, we can live our lives with the stresses that bring 
all these things, the, the stresses that these things bring, or, or we can draw near, we could draw near and, and find fulfillment in, in being so close, so near, that you understand the privileges that come with being son. I mean, I've preached that here so many times. That my son has a privilege that none of you guys have. And, and if you have a son, your children have privileges in your life as, as parents that, that no other person has. You, you know, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm going to be so transparent. But, but do you know that my son has the privilege with data just to walk around in his boxers? And I, and I just kept it clean because we do have some kids in church today. But I'm not doing that with any of you all. Maybe just my wife, but none of y'all, that's it. <laughs> my wife and my son, but, but me and my son, we're, we're, you should see us. It's dumb. It's silly. It's, it's, it's foolish, actually. It's so funny. We get in front of the mirror. And he, and he poses, and, and he's so cute, and I'm so ugly. <laughs> I mean, it's the privilege of being son. You know, my... my my, my son has the ability to, to do something. He's really good. He's mastered the, the anointing. He has an anointing in this. He has a special anointing that when he wants something, he's really good at saying, Dada, can I have this? And he shows me the screen, and he's into all those reality YouTube guys, you know, woe to them. But, but he wants everything that they have. Dada, can I go here? Dad, to this morning, this morning, we're going to church. Dada, can I go there? And, and the funny thing is when we're at a store in a place, Nancy could... Back me up on this many times. Like, I really want that. He's obsessed with animals. And no matter what Target we go to and no matter what Michaels we go to or what dollar store, there's always an animal that comes home with Jackson. But, you know, we, we give them those things because we're able to. And, and if he asks for it, it brings joy to the father to give what the son asks for because he's in close relation. He's in close relation and he's in close devotion to father. You know, my, my son's breath doesn't, doesn't make me gag in the morning. The worse it is, the prouder I am of him as a dad. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I mean. I know, that's sick, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm not like, son, that's good. Eat garlic next, tonight, you know. But, but what I mean is because, because there is a, there is an intimacy between father and son, between child and dad. And I'm speaking as father today. If my wife was up here, she'll be speaking as mom. So I'm not removing my wife from any of this. But what I'm trying to tell you is there is a special privilege, a special privilege when we're close to father that we understand that there are privileges that come from being son. That, that Listen to this. That our busyness and that our doing can turn to rest. That our wars can turn to peace. That our weakness can turn to strength. That our crooked lifestyle can be correct living now. That your fears can now turn into boldness. But the question is this. Does he anoint your head with oil and does your cup overflow? Does goodness and mercy follow you? And Do you dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Do you dwell in presence? That's the question. Because if my son stops talking to me and all he wants to be in his room and he, and he comes in and says, Dada, I really want to be like, son, you haven't had a conversation with me for two weeks and you think I'm going to get you the giraffe you want? You see what I'm saying? 
But there's something that when we do life together, when he's in my presence and I am in his presence, man, son, just ask and, and you will receive because, because you know the Father's heart and the Father knows your heart and there's genuine there and it's pure there and, and it's seeking there and it's pouring there and it's, and it's flowing there and there's oil there and it's erupting there and it's not just falling on your head but it's overflowing your cup and mercy follows and goodness follows and you dwell deeper in the house and in the presence of God forever because you recognize that when you're outside of that oil, when you're outside of that flow, you're absent of the blessing of the Father. If there's any fatherless son or daughter, come, the Lord says today, because there's a blessing of oil that's pouring. I believe that in your life today. I believe that for us today. I believe that as a church today. And, and last week, we spoke about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. And we learned that the five foolish can also be called the five immature. The five immature brides. And let's just read, for the sake of time, just verses 6 through 12 together, Matthew 25. This was last week's message, but I'm going to connect it again. In verse 6, it says, at midnight, they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmen got up and prepared their lamps. Verse 8. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please, uh, let's, let's go back, rewind. Then the, then the five immature ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that for a moment. But the, but the mature ones said, we don't have enough for all of you. Go to a shop and, and go get your own oil. Buy some for yourselves. Verse 10. But while they were gone, while the immature brides were gone uh, to buy oil, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Verse 11. And later the other five bridesmaids, which were the immature ones, returned. And they stood outside and they began to call, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And look at verse 12. Highlight verse 12. Circle verse 12. Because that's exactly what I want to talk to you for a moment today. But he called back and he said, believe me, I do not know you. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. But it sucks for them at that moment. But it stinks. It stinks. It's not good. But what are these women, these five immature women? I, I felt this as I was preparing this. These women represent individuals that were given the opportunity to live in constant burning devotion to their beloved, to the bridegroom, but they missed out. These were five individuals who missed out on, I'm going to say this and I think you should write this because I believe that this is the message right here. These were five ladies, five Women that represent people that maybe come to church on Sundays. Represent people that maybe call themselves Christians. And these were five immature, everyone say immature. immature. Yeah, five immature individuals, write this down, that missed out in reaching their full development. They were so sidetracked, too busy, too occupied over things that they walked away perhaps even unconsciously and they never received for themselves the revelation that Christ had for them. What's the revelation that Christ had for these five immature women? The revelation is to know him more. And to know him more is to know yourself more. Is to find identity. And that's the revelation the full development and identity 
is found in the oil that they were missing in their lamp. Which we spoke on represents the, the, the presence of God that makes the fire in the lamp set ablaze with greater intensity and with greater glory. I don't know if, if, if I lost some of you guys with some of that vocabulary, some of that language, or if I was too churchy for you guys in a, in a second there, but, but I hope I didn't lose any of you guys. There was oil that was running out in their lamp in Matthew 25, and they asked the other five women, we need some of your oil. And the other five mature women, they said, we don't have enough for all of you. You're going to have to go to the store, and you're going to have to buy your own oil. And they went to the store to buy their own oil. And when they came back, Jesus had locked the door on them and they started to knock, open up, and he said, believe me, I really don't know you. That phrase, believe me, I don't know you, it really means more than just, hey, I don't know you. It really is deeper than that. I believe this because here, here they are, immature. Five immature individuals. Remember last week's message? Not because they stayed virgins. They were supposed to do that. That was the good thing. That's what was expected of them. So they were immature not because they stayed virgins. They were immature because they most likely focused so much on remaining virgin part that they lost focus on the filling up with oil part. And what I mean by that is here's a group of five individuals that felt what they did and what they presented before beloved was enough. And what the groom was looking for was, go back to verse 12. Believe me, I do not what? Why would he say that? You want to know why he said that? Because the phrase, believe me, I do not know you, what is that really showing us? Well, it's showing us there was a lack of revelation. You come to me, you knock, and you ask for me to let you in. You had no oil. You went to go look for some oil. When you came back, you thought you were right yet. And now you're knocking and you want me when I've given you so much time and I've given you so much opportunity. And now you want to come into my presence. Believe me, I don't know you. You know how long I've been wanting for you to come into presence, to come into sonship, to come into a devotion with me as God. And yet you never entered. And now you're begging me, believe me, I don't know you. That phrase means, believe me, there was a lack of revelation in you, and because of that, all of me was not revealed to you, and all of yourself was not even revealed to you. They were immature, not because they stayed virgin. That's good. I was telling Eli this this morning. I said, it's good, man. Keep serving and keep doing everything we're doing and do well and clean up and clean bathrooms and vacuum and straight up rows and preach and open up and do this and pray for people. All those things are good, but that's what's expected of you. That's just, hey, I'm just a virgin. I'm a Christian. That's good. But, but what we really want to know is, is are you in devotion with God? Is there a depth with God? Are you going deeper with God? Hey, what has God revealed to you today, today that is different from what he revealed to you yesterday? Is God speaking something fresh and new on you because if your son father should be revealing more of himself to you the word immature means this not fully developed not fully developed you could write that because here were five individuals who were immature because they had a, a lamp but it wasn't fully developed they were missing stuff and and maybe for some of us, the greatest acts of immaturity in our lives are not the mistakes that we've made or the sins that we have committed, 
But maybe it's denying the lifestyle of presence and devotion. Maybe that's the greatest, greatest act of immaturity. You know, we, we, you, could have, you could be an amazing uh, singer. You could be an amazing gifted, gifted. Let's use the word gifted. You could be a gifted singer and a, a gifted musician and a, a gifted speaker and teacher. You could be a gifted whatever you feel God's gifted you in, and you could be gifted in all those things. But, but, but here at this point, God really tugged at my heart, and maybe the greatest acts of immaturity is, 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 is not really just all those things. It's deeper than that. It's, it's, it's God calling us to a lifestyle of, of deeper presence with him. And maybe some of us in this room are so stuck with mistakes that we're focused on and, and sins and, and committed sins and, and consequences of sins. But in all of that, you've lost focus and, and you're denying the call of come, the call of get deeper, the call of come on, I have a deeper place in presence that I want you to go to. So, so find yourself you, and, and maybe you're, you're, you're living in this motion. And, and listen to this. So you find yourself still fully serving and still fully praying and even fasting, you're involved and, and maybe you're, you, you're sin and, and you repent like a good Christian does and, and you go through what seems like the normal motion of Christianity, but yet as you go through the normal motion of Christianity, do you still feel like you're not fully developed yet? Do you still feel like deep inside of you there's still immaturity? It might be not because of all the things you're focusing on. It might be because of the thing that you are not focusing on and that is the oil that is missing in the lamp. It's presence. It's devotion. It's, it's sons running, daughters running to father that keeps the fire burning. And where more, and where more revelation of him is found, more revelation of yourself is found. L- let me go back to verse 11 for a moment. It says this. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned... They stood outside and they called, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And he said, believe me, I, I do not know you. There's no revelation. There's no oil in your lamp. Sorry, I don't know you. When you think about, believe me, I don't know you, and we talk about the word revelation, well, what are we really talking about there? It's the word reveal. Reveal. I believe this without a shadow of a doubt. I believe the Lord wants to I believe that God really wants to reveal more of himself to the church. And I'm not just talking about our church, our nest. I'm talking about people that call themselves the church. God really wants to reveal himself. And in that revealing, that's what I'm talking about of, of, of revelation. Let me, let me give you an example. I, I said to you, I don't know if I'll share this, but it came to my head. I thought about Adam and Eve again. I always pick on them. But I thought about Adam and Eve. You remember how they used to walk around the garden? How? They were naked and unashamed. Perfect way of living. Naked and unashamed. What I mean by perfect way of living is nothing to hide, naked, and ashamed, unashamed, nothing to be ashamed of. There's, this is who I am. Adam and Eve, that's how it was. They did life with God. I'm not lying to you, man. The Bible says they walked around the garden with God naked and unashamed. Nothing to hide, nothing to conceal. Everything's out in the open, naked and unashamed. But one day, one day, they, they stopped going into presence. They stopped going into presence. You know, I, I'm wondering if they stopped going into presence, be, not because they bit of the apple. That was the act of disobedience. 
But I believe that the fullness of them stopped going into presence was because after disobedience, they chose the second step, which is then to hide from God. You see, we could all be disobedient at times in our lives, but, but Adam and Eve, that disobedience drew them to, to hide from God. And God comes back to fill them with his presence like he always does. And he says, Adam, Eve, where are you? And, and they're dressed in fig leaves. And, and he says, well, who told you you were what? Who told you you were naked? And why are you so ashamed? You know, when, when you think about that, you start to see that Adam got to a place where he lost identity. Adam got to a place where, where it got real serious because now the Lord wasn't revealing himself to him. He was now clothing. There was no deep revelation. God sees that and points that at him. And I start to think about our lives, my life, and I start to recognize about this phrase right here, believe me, I do not know you. And I think about Matthew chapter 5, that when this becomes alive and mature in us, when devotion becomes fully developed, maturity in us, then Matthew 5, we begin to live that in the power of this truth. Let me read it to you. Matthew 5, 14, 15, and 16, and then I'm going to start wrapping it up after I'm done reading this. It says, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lamp, on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and that they would glorify. Remember the song we sang? That they would glorify your Father in heaven. The light shines because of the revelation with the oil that is contained in the lampstand. Here is a lampstand that is shining to the light. And the reason why the light is to shine into this world is so that they would see the good works and that they too would come to glorify God. But, but why aren't people glorifying God? Have you ever wondered this for a moment? Why aren't people just coming to the revelation of who God is in my family? Why aren't people coming to the revelation of who God is in my neighborhood? Why aren't people coming to the revelation of who God is in my workplace? Well, because, because if you read this passage carefully and, and you read all throughout Scripture, let your light shine so that now it shines before men so that, so that they would see the good works in you and, and in that they would glorify the Father. So, so this is important because, because the presence of God fills you so that that way now you could be a blazing light in this world. And the reason why you need a blazing light in this world is so that now that others... Others that are outside can now be touched, touched by that same oil that touched your life. Why isn't there revival happening around me? Well, maybe it's because there's not revelation that is living through you. And I believe that that's what God wants for us. God wants us to live in such presence with him that such revelation comes out of us that the people that we confront cannot say anything else but, man, the Lord is upon that person. I've shared with some of you guys, and I've been pumping you guys up because I want to get your juices flowing. I said, think about your neighbors. How many of you know your neighbor's name yet? You don't know them yet? Okay, you know your neighbor's name? How many of you do not know your neighbor's name yet or one of your neighbors yet? All right, there you go. I know both of them, so I can't do that. But, but watch this. Many of you raised your hand right now. Have you thought about this? That God put you in that neighborhood, in that house next to those two people because, hey, the revelation of God is going to seep through you to touch those people's lives. Can you imagine living Living with such sensitivity, can you imagine living in such devotion that God touches other people because of the revelation that is in your life? So that what? So that you could be the light to the world. So that your light would shine before men and that they would see your good works and that they would glorify the Father in heaven. Come on. 
As the worship team comes up here, verse 10 says, But while they, Matthew 25, verse 10, back to the immature virgins, immature brides. But while they, the immature ones, were gone to buy oil, it says the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, those who were mature, those who were fully developed, look what it says. They went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. When the five immature came in, the five mature were already fully developed and they were inside. And I think about Psalm 23 one more time. And, and here, are, here are five individuals who are at a feast. Everyone say feast. And here are five other individuals who missed out on a feast. How many of you like to feast? I like to feast. I like anything that has to do with a feast. Food sounds good. Music sounds good. If you want to do a little dance and a little spin around, I'm not too good, but sounds good. We'll sweat a little bit. Everything about a feast sounds good. Five entered the Lord's feast. Five were outside the door, and the Lord revealed to them and said, sorry, I don't really know you. Believe me. It's interesting that a feast is mentioned in the New Testament because, you know, there's also a feast mentioned in the Old Testament. And Psalm 23 reminds us of that same feast. When David comes to the end of his life, and he writes words like this to back up what Matthew 25 says. You prepare a feast before me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. And my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. As I end, I, I really want you to focus on this for a moment. The, the, the five immature individuals in Matthew 25, we, we studied the oil of presence in a lamp. And, and while it was going dim, they wanted... They wanted five mature brides to give them something that they had. And I believe this, and this is biblical. There is revelations of God that no one can reveal to you, that only can be revealed to you in the presence of God. Did you catch that? So as much as I or anyone else around you can be getting revealed things from God, it doesn't mean that they could just zap you. And then you're going to receive everything that God is showing them about him. you got to get to a point where you say, I'm going to drink from the same waters. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall under the same oil. And not only do I want him to anoint my head, but I want to come to David did at the end of his life. You know, you know, David said this at the end of his life. Don't wait for the end of your life to say this. Say it right now. That, that Lord, you prepared a feast for me and you honor me. Can you imagine you getting to a feast where his name is the name of the highest honor and yet he takes it off himself for a second and he honors you? That's humbling. And in honoring you, he puts oil on your head. And in honoring you, he allows your cup to overflow. I, I believe that there's an, there's an overflow in presence and, and the overflow of blessings. My cup overflows with blessings. I believe that I am most blessed 
in presence. I believe I am most blessed in devotion. Whenever I'm outside of presence, I am, I am agitated, I am upset, I am I'm mad quickly, I am driving faster, I am I'm meaner to people, but, but when, when I'm in devotion and I'm being humbled and broken by the presence of God, I'll let people walk all over me, I'll let people spit on me, I'll, 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 I'll speak in a tongue when someone speaks evil against me. I mean, it's weird. It's weird stuff that happens to you when you're in the presence of God, but, but when you're not, you don't really experience the blessing. How many of you are at a place where you hear the call of Alba Father, you hear the call of God and he's saying, come deeper. How many of you are hearing the call to mature, to fully develop in devotion? That he's calling you for more and that is to, to let your light shine. Let the lamp stand and the light in it shine. There's a call that you feel today to go deeper, a pouring of oil where greater revelation is found. I wrote this down. Do you feel the call to, to come in, to share of his glory, to come deeper? And I want to ask this question. Who hears the call of the Lord saying, come on, come and, and truly just get your oil already. The oil of devotion. I'm going to ask you to, to stand with me. And as you stand with all reverence, can you examine your heart can you truly just examine, can you examine deep in your soul? And, and is God calling some of you like to finally just come deeper? What, what you do outside of here is, is not enough. It doesn't mean you've made it. And you've come to that place to recognize, Pastor, man, I've been working and work hasn't filled me. I'm married with kids and that doesn't fill me. I have a lot of friends and that doesn't fill me. I have a great social life and that doesn't fill me. I have a good family and that doesn't fill me. I have a nice church and that doesn't fill me. I'm involved. I do things for God and, and I do a lot and yet I found that that doesn't fill me. None of those things have caused me to, to feel like I've made it. I feel like I'm not happy. There's always more. There's always something else I want to achieve. There's, there's always a stress in my life. There's always a fear in my life. There's always this thought in my mind that you haven't made it, man. You're, you're still so far away. There, there's still this, this void of empty that continues. And I try to do more and more thinking that it's going to satisfy that emptiness, but but I recognize that the more I do, the emptier it gets, the emptier I feel. And, and today you're here and the Lord says, awesome, it's because I'm calling you to a, to a deeper revelation of maturity, which means to be fully developed in my presence. To be fully developed in my presence to me, in me, it means to, to truly receive revelation that I would reveal, reveal the secret parts of who I am to you. That I would, in revealing that, just like the demoniac that we read today in worship, I would put you back into a place that you would find identity. I would put you back into a place of where you find your true self. You got to understand that your true self is not found in everything that you've built in your life. But I believe that the Father is telling you today, your true self is found in, 
found in a place called devotion. It's, it's found in a place called intimacy. It's found in a place where oil, oil kindles that lampstand and causes that fire to continue to burn. It's in a place of presence. And, and maybe that's you today and you don't have to hold back. But that today will be your day of breakthrough. And that today you would say, Lord, I'm here, you know, virgin, with my lamp. But that's not okay. I, I want more. I want more oil. I want deeper devotion. I want to truly be filled. Because fulfillment is found as son in the presence of father. So today, if you feel like a son, today, if you feel like a daughter, and you need to just run to father. I said a comment earlier, you could run away from Yahweh or run to Yahweh. Maybe you feel like you need to run to him. I'm, let that be a representation, you running to this altar right now. As we sing a song, let it be a representation of you running to God saying, Lord, here I am, I'm running to you. I think about the prodigal son who lost his identity. He lost his identity so much that he began to eat the way pigs eat. Trust me, man, I am never going to get on the floor and eat like a pig. I'm too royal for that. I, I am a son of my father. I, I am a son of God. and I can't lose my identity and eat pig's food. And If I could just go back to my father's house and I could commit to him and tell him all the sins that I've, that I've committed and maybe he would receive me again. And when that prodigal son starts running back to the father, the father sees him outside through the window and he, he leaves his home and begins to run to the son in the field and he says, son, and the son can't even begin to, begin to finish what he's saying because the father's already forgiving him and hugging him and kissing him and crying on him because the father already received him as son way before the son was pleading for the father to receive him. So today if you're like that son that's lost identity and, and you're saying, I want to... I want to find sonship and daughtership in, in the presence of dad again. And I need presence like never before again. And I need it to erupt in my heart. I need oil like never before in my lampstand. I don't want to be the one that knocks one day. And the Lord says, believe me, I didn't know you because I lacked revelation. I want deep revelation in my life each day. If that's you, I want to ask you to come up to the front and we'll pray for you again. And we'll believe for you. Some of the leaders will come up and believe with you that God will give you deeper oil, stronger oil, oil that flows from his presence, from his throne, oil from the Father that it's anoints over your head and causes your cup to overflow. So if you need prayer and you need sonship and daughtership, the Father is here saying, come, come deeper, come in. I'm going to show you and reveal more and deeper parts of who I am. And in that place, you will find your true self and who you really call to be. So as we sing this song, if you want to come up, come up to the front and we will pray for you. We'll lay hands and ask the Lord just to, to fill you with that oil. Sons, come back to dad again. Daughters, come back to father again. And in that, let revelation be found. Let intimacy be birthed again. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him with a song before we go. And let's pray together. And let's